Hey, what's up, guys? This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. We are going to be out at the Sangre de Cristo Ultra Marathon, September 16th through 20th. Uh, that is here in Colorado. And uh, if you guys need pacers or crew to help you get to that finish line, look us up, check us out. We can get you there. We've got the tips, tricks, secrets. Uh, we've got what it takes to get you into that finish line. As long as you come in trained, that is. Uh, it's going to be a fun race. It's one of the few that's happening. Um, I think there's some, some slots open still. So September 16th through the 20th, give us a shout if you need anything. And listen, guys, uh, one of the coolest things about ultra marathons is having your friends, or family come out and help you with these outrageous goals that that you've set. Um, some of my best memories are having friends fly across the country to help me at Western States, to help me at Leadville. Uh, these are some memories I'm going to carry with me forever. Um, and you know, I, I guess it also gave me a little boost just having friends fly across the country, sleeping on floors, camping out all just to help me uh, get to the finish line. You know, it made me feel like I absolutely have to finish. I can't let my friends down. So maybe it was a good motivator for me. But um, to me, that's one of the coolest things about Ultra Marathon is involving all your friends and involving your loved ones. But what we're for is if you're coming to Colorado and you don't know anybody out here, then uh, we can help you out. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't want to take that uh, friends and family away from, from your ultra marathon. If you know people that can help you and that can pace you and crew you, great, because uh, that's one of my favorite things about ultra. Definitely not trying to take that away from the sport. But if you're coming to Colorado and you need a hand, we got your back. So look us up, big-things-crewing.com. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. I've got a fantastic guest today. I'm super pumped to bring this one to you guys. This is a little bonus episode for the week. Um, my guest is Sabrina Stanley. She just destroyed the Nolan's course. I love doing Nolan's podcasts because it's pretty close to home for me. I'm familiar with that course. I've been out there scouting it for, well, years now. <laughs> And uh, you guys know I love Nolans, and when someone just comes in and crushes it like this, I got to hear all the details. I want to hear everything. So I did my best to ask all the all the questions you guys would probably want to hear, and uh, Sabrina brings it. Uh, she was a great interview. She answers everything, and it was just fantastic talking to her. She's a really cool person. So super pumped. Um, give it up. For the great Sabrina Stanley. Life is short. Do big things, baby. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you, Sabrina? I'm good. Good. Welcome to the Do Big Things podcast. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you healing up? I'm good. I feel like, honestly, out of all the 100 milers I've ever done, I feel like this is like the quickest recovery I've ever had. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, I feel awesome. 
my my lungs i think are a little messed up still i haven't i haven't ran obviously but um as far as like leg muscles go i feel really good that's good how like how is that even possible <laughs> i don't i think it's just like the amount of hiking i would assume i don't okay. know okay you said your lungs were messed up is that due to the colorado wildfires I think so. That second night on Elbert, um, and then like when we were heading up massive, the sun came up and you could just see, you could see like ash and you could see a, a nice layer of smoke up there. And um, when I was breathing, I, like my lungs were just burning. And I think that's why. So like even now to take like a really deep breath, I can still feel that like tightness almost in there, yeah. um, which I've never really had. So I think I think that'll probably be there for a week or two. Maybe maybe it'll heal faster than I think, but I'll take it easy until until it's gone. For sure. Um, are you calling from Silverton, Colorado? I am, yes. Okay. Do you guys see the smoke down there? I'm, I'm calling from Boulder, and, you know, it, it's all over the place here. I can smell it in the mornings. Is it affecting you guys down there? Uh, we just got home uh, yesterday evening, and no, not really um, – like maybe there's like a like a very very subtle haze, but you can't smell it or anything. Um, I would say good. it's very minor. Good, it's good to hear. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, um, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and tell us about this big journey you just went on. Yeah, uh, I'm Sabrina Stanley, and um, I'm a professional ultra runner for Adidas, and I, um, with COVID this year, with uh, all the races being canceled. I was supposed to do hard rock and UTMB. I kind of wanted to do something of equal or greater challenge. And so Nolan's uh, seemed to fit the bill. And I didn't think like travel restrictions would, would be so severe that I couldn't go to Leadville. And so um, I, yeah, that's how I landed on Nolan's. And I'd kind of been thinking about it for a few years, but I didn't think I'd be able to do it until like years and years down the road when, when racing wasn't as much of a priority. And so I was like, not that COVID's a good thing, but I guess there's like, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, There's yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I decided to do Nolan's and, and my boyfriend and I, we went up there in June and started um, scouting the course. And I started listening to like every podcast I could and reading trip reports and reaching out to past finishers and just like trying to get as much information as I possibly could um, about the route. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you absolutely destroyed it. I mean, 51-15 is just an incredible time. Um, you elected to go south to north, supported. Um, tell us why you decided to go south to north. Um, just from the research I had done, it seemed like the faster times were south to north. Um, and without actually having been on course and knowing um, the exact trails, I didn't feel qualified to make um a decision that went against what, you know, previous record holders had done. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I kind of just, uh, went with the flow and then I figured I would do it South to North this year. Then when I come back, you know, if I think I could do it faster, the opposite direction, I will, um, yeah. or nice. just keep going South to North and, and keep improving upon my time. We'll see. I don't know. Um, sure. yeah. yeah, but I figured I wouldn't, I wouldn't like reinvent the wheel. I'll, I'll just keep, doing what, what the current record holders had. Smart. I like it. So all your scouting was south to north and you just felt more confident. And I'm, I'm guessing you were probably kind of eyeballing other people's splits going south to north. Um, kind of. I mean, the, the first 
when we first started scouting, I was just learning the route and I wasn't really worried about time. I just wanted to make sure I knew the route as well as I possibly could. Um, when it got closer to actually doing it, I started looking at splits, especially as the record kept getting broke again and again. Right. Um, yeah, yeah I, I was looking at those splits and, and seeing how fast those ladies did it. And then, um, I, I mean, I'm going to run it as fast as I'm going to run it. And so I wasn't like, I had a, I did have a pay sheet, um, but by the time I summited the first peak, I knew that that pay sheet was out the window. And so it was kind of pointless. Um, yeah. And then I just, I just ran by field. Because you were going faster than those splits or you were going slower? F- faster. I PR'd uh, Shivano by, um, I want to say 19 minutes. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I shouldn't have. I don't know what, like, I don't know. Maybe I should have, but I definitely was not. Exp- I was, I honestly wasn't watch- watching my watch on the way up. And so when I summited and I went to take a picture of my watch um, and I saw the time, like I was, I was actually videoing, I videoed my watch and I'm like in the video, I'm like, I just PR'd by like 19 minutes. And I don't know what that says about my training or I don't know what that says about right now, but wow. like, I'm just going to keep rolling with it and see what happens. So you were not pacing yourself. You were just going guns a blazing right out of the gate. I mean, not really. I just said, I'm going to like run however I feel. And so I was just running by feel. And I, I mean, if I had gotten to the top and my, t- my watch had said, um, so I got up there at 143. Um, and if I had gotten up there, my watch at 230, I would have been like, cool. And kept going. Like, I didn't feel like I was, um, like really like sprinting up it or anything. I was just moving and I was moving well. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I definitely didn't start saying like, I'm going to see how fast I can do this. And then I would say coming down on tarot is when I kind of started going a little bit quick. Um, but I was, I was feeling really good and it was hot and maybe I should have slowed down there. But again, I was just like, well, if I have it right now, I'm going to use it. Uh, the last race I did, um, or last hundred was grand raid and there was like 34,000 feet of climbing in that, in the hundred. And before doing that, I'm like you, ha- when you can run, you have to run because there's so much climbing. And so that's kind of how I took Nolan's on is like, when I can run, I'm going to run. And, um, and I just felt like I was in really good shape. And so I, I, I ran faster than, than I had originally planned on. Hell yeah. I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so what time did you start? Uh, 6.01 AM. Uh, it was supposed to be, yeah, I was supposed to be six and at like 5.58, I realized I'd forgot to put my gaiters on. And so there's like a quick scramble <laughs> to get my gaiters on, um, before starting. But yeah. Um, so Saturday at 6.01. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I think if I remember right, that's the same time Sarah Hansel started as well. And it seems like kind of a late start time. Um, e- explain that one to me. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. I, there really wasn't a rhyme or reason to it. Um, I feel like any earlier, yeah, you're not getting a full night of sleep and you're going to be out there for two nights. So you might as well start as rested as possible. Um, and then any later, I mean, it's kind of like, what, what are you doing? I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so 6am just, just kind of felt right. Uh, and you can, that way you can start without a headlamp. I mean, I might have been able to start at five 30 without a headlamp, but if I had started at five, um, I would have needed a headlamp. And so 
six seemed like the, a nice round number um, to start in daylight. Perfect. Got it. Okay. So I want to get to everything Nolan's, but I want to go back a little bit because I don't know, I, personally, I don't know tons about you. Um, and to be a hundred percent honest, I knew kind of who your boyfriend was and he was on the scene before your name kind of came into my, uh, my wheel, my world, I guess. So, um, yeah, just, um, take us back, tell us where you grew up and event and how you eventually found ultra running. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Washington state, um, pretty much directly between Portland and Seattle, like a, a tiny, like little, like logging community and played team sports growing up. My dad had us in T-ball and basketball and volleyball and fast pitch. And so everything was, was team related. I never, um, did, well, I did like middle school track, but I never like in high school did track or cross country or anything. Um, went to a community college and played fast pitch and basketball and then, um, started running when I was a sophomore in high school, just for like as a hobby, but not on a team. And so during the summers, I would just, um, I would do seven miles like every day is the same path. Um, just for kicks. And then um, I did my first half marathon, uh, I think when I was 18 or 19, um, just with a girl or a girlfriend had asked me to run it with her and then she ended up not running it, but um, I had done the training. So I did just a road half marathon and really enjoyed it. Did a handful of those progressed to road marathons and did those for a few years um, and kind of traveled around um, doing seasonal jobs. Like I lived in Alaska for two summers, then Minnesota for a winter, um, and then ended up in Colorado. And when I ended up in Colorado, um, I was in Breckenridge and there isn't really like road running there. Um, and so I was kind of forced to hit trails and I found out I was, uh, pretty close to Leadville and, but just by like happenstance. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to throw my name in the lottery and see what happens. And <laughs> Uh, my name was drawn. And so uh, a friend of mine said, you know, you should probably do a 50 miler first. And I did. And it, the 50 miler went really well. Um, like no walls were hit. Um, I think I finished like sixth female, which I felt good about, especially for the training I'd put into it. Um, and so I went into Leadville thinking it was going to be as easy as the 50 miler. And so I think I kind of took my training with the same attitude that I can kind of like half-ass it and still finish and still do relatively well. And I made it to mile 87 and got timed out. And um, I was devastated. I like never like failed at anything that epically, I think like, I mean, I was so certain that I was like going to crush it. Um, And so when I timed out, I, I was just mortified and I, um, put my name in again the next year and went back. And I said, when I go back, I'm going to do it right. And I'm like, not, I'm going to write out my training plan. I'm not going to miss a single mile of training. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to be successful. And so I started reaching out to different people. Um, and one of those people was Avery Collins, my uh, current boyfriend. And I said, teach me how to run a hundred (laughs) miles. And so, uh, we grabbed a beer and the rest is history there. Um, we kind of started training together and I ended up taking fourth at Leadville in 2016. And that was my first hundred mile finish. Um, yeah, it went, that was just a year after your DNF. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So how does that happen? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It, 
it was honestly, I think just like the volume of training um, is what, what changed over the two years. And um, the first year I was a restaurant manager. And so the hours were, I was getting off at two in the morning or going into work at 6am and working like 12, 14 hour days, or like I was working a ton. Um, And so I kind of gave myself a lot of leeway to skip my training runs in 2015. So in 2016, um, in between, so like the week after I failed Leadville the first time I moved to New York city for a job for eight months. And then um, when my name got drawn from Leadville or for Leadville for the second time, I said, I'm going to move back to Colorado and I'm going to dedicate my entire life to being successful at hundred miles. And um, I quit my job and I got a job at a running store. And so I was now working like, I don't know, 25, 30 hours a week instead of 60 plus. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I was able to put in the volume of miles. I mean, my paycheck was drastically smaller, but, uh, but that all went into running. And so I think, I think it was just, you know, time on feet was really the biggest difference in the two years. Okay. Gotcha. And what kind of mileage and and how many hours a week were you running at that point? Um, I would say uh, I started off like 70 was a pretty normal week and then would build up um, slowly to a hundred, like a couple hundred mile weeks um, and never really went above a hundred. Okay. And are you doing most of your runs like two a days or are you going out and doing 10, 12 miles in the morning or what does that look like? Um, That summer there were, there were quite, quite a bit more two a days. Uh, Currently it's, it's typically all in one go right now. Um, It's rare. I do two a days now um, unless for some reason I have a schedule conflict and and need to get in the miles. But, but at that time, um, like I would go out on a run and not plan to do a second one. And then Avery would get off work. And so then we'd go, I, he'd be like, Hey, you want to go for a run with me? And I would. And so, um, it wasn't even like an intentional increase in mileage. It was just, um, not to be like corny. We, we just wanted to spend as much time together as possible. And so, uh, we just started running, like I just started running with his runs, um, after work with him. So, um, yeah, my mileage just naturally increased. Awesome. Where were you guys living at the time? Uh, so that summer we were both living in Breckenridge. Breckenridge. Um, yeah. And then that, that fall we moved to Steamboat. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then how did things progress from there? Um, so, it looks like you did Western States, you did her, yeah. you did a bunch of other races and it looks like you were pretty successful. So did you just keep that, that high mileage up or what did it look like? Yeah. Um, so after Leadville, we moved to Steamboat. And I kind of wanted to do a winter race and um, signed up for Sean O'Brien, which happened to be a golden ticket race. Um, I took second there and um, was able to get a spot at Western. And so trained in Steamboat for Western States, went out there and took third. Um, I was obviously really, really happy with that. Um, And then um, I did Run Rabbit, which which wasn't as great of a race for me as I thought it was going to be. but after, so Western and then Hard Rock was like my next big win, I would say. And I uh, got, I put my name in, or so I did Run Rabbit as a qualifier for uh, Hard Rock and my name got drawn with one ticket. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah, I was very fortunate. Super lucky, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and like, that wasn't the plan. I mean, the plan was to just start building my tickets up, you know, and eventually get in. And so I was kind of shocked when my name got drawn. And I was actually on the wait list, but, um, was able to get in. And then 
hard, I won hard rock. And then, um, the next year hard rock was canceled, uh, because of, um, avalanches on course and just, yeah, avalanche debris. And so I went and did grand raid and grand raid, um, also went really well. And I ended up winning that race. And then that, that brings us to this year. Jeez. I mean, that just reads like a book right there. I mean, that's just like that. That's poetry right there. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I could have wrote it out any better. Um, I mean, everything I've planned on happening has happened. I mean, I, uh, I, I know it, you can't really, it's easy to say now because it all happened. Um, but I like, I just felt like I was supposed to be good at this and I was going to make myself good at this no matter what. And so I, at the time I knew the Solomon team manager and I said, like Solomon should sign me. <laughs> and he, he like, wouldn't take me seriously. Um, and, uh, so I don't know. I just kept working and kept working and, and reaching out to sponsors. And finally I was able to sign with ultra then, then, um, worked my way up to Adidas and Adidas has just been beyond a dream come true. Um, but yeah, like there was just like, there's that thing that I can't explain it. Like you, I just like knew this is where I was supposed to be and I was going to get there no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you just said you don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> yeah how do you explain it I mean I know that feeling when it, you're just like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing um I'm guessing that's what it was for you you just woke up and you knew this is this was the path you were supposed to be on every day felt like you were doing the right thing I mean is that how it was yeah I mean basically like I um I won't let myself fail. And I'm so thankful I failed at Leadville that first time because if I had finished middle of the pack, I think I would have walked away from that race and said, I'm a middle of the pack runner and this is where I'm supposed to be. And like, that's just my running capabilities. But because I failed that next year, I dedicated so much time to being successful that I was able to like open this door and see how successful I could be if I tried. Um, and so, and so that, that that first failure really I think made me the runner I am today wow that's that's really cool so I mean would you consider yourself a stubborn person yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I, I mean on that same note like I I will never DNF a race again I mean unless I like fall and get like a compound fracture um there will never be a race or an FKT that I don't finish um wow. and I, I stand by that. And I like, I mean, every time I look at my ultra sign up and I see that DNF, I mean, I think about it every day. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I wish I had this, like this beautiful, clean record. And I don't. Mm. So going back to that DNF, you said you were devastated. Um, what, did, you know, what was that devastation like? I mean, was it shame? Was it guilt? Was it just something that nagged at you every day? I know then you went and you got a job in New York, but then eventually you came back to Colorado and dedicated yourself to Leadville the next year. Um, how painful was that? It sounds like it was pretty big. Yeah. I mean, I, I say my heart's never been broken by a boyfriend as much as it has by Leadville. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, uh, I mean, I flew it. My brother, my dad flew in. My boyfriend was there at the time. I had all these pacers. Um, looking back, I don't know why I thought I was going to be so successful because I hadn't put in the training and I just didn't, I was so naive that I thought I had. And so, um, I thought I was going to 
go to Leadville and I was going to be out. I, I was going to finish and everybody's going to be like, Oh, who is this Sabrina Stanley who just like did so well at Leadville out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. so when I got there, I PR'd my first half marathon. I, so at altitude on trail, I PR'd my half marathon time in the first half marathon. Um, <laughs> and then I kept running and I didn't know about caffeine. I didn't know about nutrition. I didn't really know about gear. Um, mile 40, my knee started kind of bothering me and it progressively got worse and worse and worse. And then I got into uh, f- or fish hatch coming back. So mile like 75 and um, my knee was so locked up. I could barely even move it. And I sat there for a while and it was probably like on the verge of verge of hyperthermic and I picked up um my brother's girlfriend and we she's like 90 pounds soaking wet and we head out um to go to the next aid station and you have power line to climb and I Uh I didn't even know hallucinations were a thing in running and I start hallucinating um but I don't know I'm hallucinating (laughs) and uh yeah we that that power line climb took forever and like now that I've done Nolan's every time I could look at power line I'm like what is that right. <laughs> uh, yeah it just seemed like the the never-ending climb and you see the headlamps way up there crisscrossing and um yeah it just took forever and at one point I was like crawling just trying to make time and we knew we were cutting it close I think I had um six hours to make it 13 miles and I did not do that wow. um yeah and so I actually didn't even make it to the aid station about a half mile from the aid station. I had a a previous pacer walk up the trail. And as soon as I saw him walking up the trail, I knew the only reason he would be doing that is to let me know that it was over. And I, yeah. And I just, I broke down, I collapsed and I, I was like sobbing and I was so embarrassed with my family. I was like so angry at myself. Um, Like how, how could I let this happen? And, um, I mean, like, you know, everybody at work knew I was going to do it and it's just, you know, you tuck your tail and, and you move on and, and you promise yourself you'll do better next time. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of, kind of count down the days until I get in and am able to redeem myself the next year. Yeah. And how good did it feel the next year when you crushed it? Oh, it was, it was really incredible. Um, so I was with Avery at that point and, um, I just remember coming back through mile 75 and the sun is setting and the previous year it had been like one or two in the morning. And so yeah. to be at that point and be like, to just like visually see how far ahead of schedule you are and like how much improvement you've made. Um, it was, it was really incredible. Wow. That's so cool. I'm curious. So like, what's a day in the life like with like, Oh, I feel like you guys are like the ultra marathon power couple at this point. Like, <laughs> like, what do you guys do on a daily basis? What's a week look like? Are you guys just running all the time? Like dirt bagging it, living in trucks or, or what's, what's it like for you guys? Uh, we were dirt bagging it for a while, but um, we now have um, an apartment that we're just in love with. Well, I guess it's like more like a house kind of, but um, in, in Silverton um, and we, wake up, typically have breakfast together. Um, and then I would say five days a week we run on our own and then, and then two days a week we run together and that fluctuates throughout the year. Um, and then we just go out and 
we explore mountains all day. Um, we love the Silverton area so much and there's so much terrain that you like now this is well, like last year was kind of going a little bit off trail, but now that I was training for Nolan's like you can, like, there's no limit to where you can go. You don't need a trail. And so we've been able to explore a lot more um, and just kind of like opened our, our minds up a little bit more um, to these mountains. But yeah, we go out, I would say like in an average training block, um, five to eight hours a day and then um, come in, do dinner together, um, watch a movie and go to bed. And I'd say that's, that's like 75% of the year and, you know, tapering or recovering will take away from that in the winter. Um, Avery snowboards a lot more and I live on the treadmill. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we, we typically run all day. Um, at least a good portion of it. That's a good life. (laughs) Yeah. we, We are so thankful. We're, we're definitely living a dream. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about is being thankful and recognizing, recognizing where you are and, uh, you know, just being grateful for that. And it sounds like you're in the right spot. Um, yeah, we, I mean, I've lived in a handful of uh, different spots in Colorado and, um, yeah, there's just something about Silverton that's so low key. Um, it's not like your typical, it's not a resort town, you know? Um, yeah. and so that makes it cheaper as well. Um, it's, I think there's like 600 year round residents. And so in the winter it's super quiet. Um, there's one paved road in town. Everything is dirt. Um, yeah, we really, really enjoy, enjoy the, um, atmosphere here. I bet. Yeah. Silverton's a really cool town. So, so I'm sure you're super familiar with the whole hard rock course. I mean, you obviously you ran it and you won the race, but is that something you run regularly or are you exploring all the other peaks out there? Um, Every year, well, I guess the last two years since it has been canceled, I try to do the course one time, at least the whole course. Um, and then, you know, the sections close to Silverton, I've done, you know, a half dozen times, if not more. Um, and it, yeah, it just depends on how much time I have that day and what kind of views I'm craving and what kind of vertical. Um, Avery's definitely much better. Like I could run the same trail every day and be on cloud nine, where yep. Avery likes to go and he'll explore a new mountain every single day all summer. And so sometimes if I, if I am craving something new, I'll be like, Hey, uh, design, design a route for me. And so he'll be like, okay. And he'll like pull out Google maps and be like, run here, then here, then here. And so I'll do like his route that day. Um, but yeah, we, um, I mean, I, I, I do know that the hard rock course, there are sections that I know much, much better than other sections though. For sure. Um, when you say you run the hard rock course every year, is that the whole hundred miles all in one shot or just in segments? Segments, definitely segments. Yeah. I'll just, um, kind of like keep like a mental checklist. Like, okay, I've already done that this summer. Like, um, let's try and do this one and then this one and, and go. Um, and this year I've actually been slacking quite a bit because I've spent so much time in, in, um, like Leadville and BV that, um, I've, I have done sections of the course this year, but not nearly to the extent that I had the previous year. For sure. Um, I'm curious, like outside of running, uh, do you have any other hobbies or any other interests? Um, I'm, I'm pretty one dimensional, unfortunately. I know um, that like, I mean, I, I get out and ski like once every two weeks in the winter and we, um, we AT ski. So um we uphill and then, and then go down and um, there's so much back country here. 
mm-hmm. um, that it's limitless. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to get to the level I want to be at, like, I don't really have time for other hobbies. And if I am doing other hobbies, I feel so guilty um, that I, like, even if it's like a rest period, I feel like I should be working on writing a trip report or I should be reading other people's trip reports or I should be planning my next adventure or um, I don't know, like there's a thousand different things that I could be doing to make myself better at my craft um, that I don't want to invest any time in a different craft. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. No, I totally get it. Do you ever feel like you are out of balance? Because to be really, really elite at something like you are, you know, to me, it always feels like I'm a little out of balance. Like, you know, my, my friends are kind of put on the back burner. My family time is all kind of put on the back burner and I'm training all the time. And then I just feel like my whole life is out of balance. Are you able to navigate that any better than me? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, I would say, I mean, I don't, my family all lives in Washington state. And so I don't, I mean, I go there when I can. Um, and if I do go there, I try to like on race years, try to try to race when I'm up there. Um, like, so it's kind of just Avery and I, and he totally understands, uh, the dedication and he has, um, close to the same dedication as well. And so we work well together. Um, and then I would say the biggest factor that is, that's like out of balance and that I feel like extremely guilty about is, uh, are my friends. I mean, I have girl, I have like, you know, two or three extremely close girlfriends, but I don't have like a huge social base. And there are multiple, um, girlfriends that, that try to keep in contact with me. And I am really, really horrible about going to visit them. Or even though they live in Colorado, you know, just, just like making that time to grab a drink with them or dinner or just catch up on their lives. And unfortunately that's just, the way it's going to be and they can either understand that that's part of who I am and that that's how much that's my drive to be successful or um you know they can they can move on and and you know just we have that Facebook friendship I guess but um yeah I'd say my my social life is definitely taking a hit um mm-hmm. the more serious I get with running yeah well I mean that's dedication you know I mean um that's that's the way it's got to be if you if you want to be good at something right I agree. And, and I think I'm pretty aware of that. And that's a sacrifice that I um, have no problem making. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I have, I have uh, my two or three girlfriends that, that understand it. And we catch up every six months to it, like, honestly, every eight months and we'll do like a two to three hour phone call and like try to gush everything out. And then, you know, um, and they have busy lives too. So it kind of works out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. And you know, for me anyway, sometimes it feels like you got to get it while the getting's good. Like you are 30 years old. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And you're fit, you're elite, you're a pro ultra runner. So it's like, do you feel like you have to pack it all in within a few years while, while you're able to, because you know, five, 10 years down the road, you might not be as fast or something else may have come up. Or are Um, you just living the moment? I would say more living the moment. I mean, I feel I don't feel like there's an expiration date. And if there is, um, I would like to assume it's at least 10 to 15 years down the road. Um, I mean, I think there's a handful of women out there who, who are in their mid forties and are, and are still dominating. Um, and so I would like to have a career that, you know, like something similar to Jeff Browning maybe. And, um, just like, I take my recovery very seriously. Um, 
last two years I've been getting really into yoga and like, not like extreme yoga, but just, you know, like intermediate to beginner, just kind of stretching things out. Um, knock on wood, I've never had a serious injury. And so just keeping my body healthy and being very conscious of not over racing and not thinking that I'm an anomaly and then I, my body can race more than it can. But, um, um, just having that like 15, 20 year goal of, of being a dominant figure in the sport is my goal. And so, um, yeah, I maybe the get, get why the getting's good, but also like, I think that, that, that good maybe 20 years or I'd like it to be. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, how did you first hear of Nolan's 14? Um, I was working at that running. So I just moved back to Breck from New York and I was um, working at a vertical runner in Breckenridge. And my, my boss was tracking Anna Frost and Missy Gosney as they did it. And so, yeah, and I'd never heard of it. And um, so I was just like watching these two ladies move through the mountains and it was pouring rain. (laughs) And I, (laughs) I just like, remember, like, I mean, I didn't, it was just like all like the mountains were made up in my mind. I really didn't know what they were going through, but um, it just seems so incredible to me that these two women were out there together, you know, um, on this like epic adventure. And so that was the first time I, I heard about it. And I kind of like, you know, you lock it away in the back of your head and you say, that's something I think I'd like to do at some point in my life. Yeah, for sure. And had you done, uh, had you hiked or ran most of these peaks before you actually went out there and started scouting in June? No, I, uh, so <laughs> before Nolan's, I had done two 14ers and wow. one was, one, <laughs> one was handies and that was for hard rock. That's on hard rock. And, yeah. and then the other one uh, was quandary. And that's just cause I'd lived in Breck, in Breck went on a blind okay. date and the guy took me up quandary. Um, and so, yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't really done, I mean, I'd done handies a handful of times. I'd been 90% up um, Sneffels. Oh, well, I had actually done Elbert and Massive, the traditional routes, um, but not not Nolan's. And so, yeah, when we went out there to start scouting, um, yeah, it was, a lot of it was very, very new for me. But before we went out there, I had asked Avery to make me a list of runs that I should be doing in the Silverton area. Um, that were off trail and had like really sketchy rocks. And so I had been training for at least a month on very unstable high alpine terrain. Um, And so actually when I got to the Nolan's course, I was pleasantly surprised that the rocks were a lot more stable there and a lot more runnable. (laughs) Wow. So you must've been on some pretty gnarly stuff because I've been on most of that Nolan's course and I find it uh, pretty treacherous in spots. Yeah, I think um, agar rocks typically are a little bit more red here and they're they're thinner and it's just like, it's almost like a bunch of glass plates almost like, so like you kind of just like slide down them, but like you have to know like there's like a three foot radius around you that's all going to move with you um, where, you know, like you get up on Princeton and they're, they do move, but they're like, they're football sized and they're like the rock you're on is moving and not like 10 rocks around you. I mean, there are like Nolan's definitely has its, has its sections. Um, but I was, I was kind of ready for it, I think. Good, good. So there's 58 14ers in Colorado and to this uh, up till now, it sounds like you've only been up about 16 of them. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That is just so cool. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'll so get cool. more one day. 
<laughs> for sure yeah you know, no hurry right yeah it's <laughs> uh, so cool okay so um i want to kind of walk through nolan's i want to hear about some of the routes i want to hear about what you were going through at at different points um so just kind of break it down you started at 601 and obviously mm -hmm. you're going up uh shivano and tabawash in antero that's all pretty standard um yep. And you're moving yep. pretty good at that point. You're feeling good about yourself. Uh, are you with anybody or are you by yourself? So I was by myself for the first two. I knew Avery was going to meet me someone, somewhere in Ontario, but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he met me like right when you go to single track. So right at the end of the road on that saddle. Um, so really close to the top actually. And I didn't, I wasn't expecting him to summit with me and he said he was. And so I'm like, cool, that, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. So he summited Ontario with me and then we ran down together and we were running pretty quick. And Which way did it you was, go down Antero? Um, we went, uh, so we went back down to the saddle and then kind of dropped around. There's like an orange fence there. And so we kind of like dropped down to the left of the mining claim. I think it is, yep. um, dropped down like the ridge to the road and then kind of uh, ran the spine um, all the way down to tree line. And then on tree line, we just took the road um, down to Alpine um, at Alpine. It, I was really hot. And so I stopped there, changed my shoes because um, my socks were wet, I believe. Um, and then started up Princeton. Princeton was really hot and we took a, not a traditional route for Nolan's up Princeton. Um, we did, like we went all the way up to the basin and then um, took a shoot that was probably like within a quarter, like it dropped us off about a quarter of a mile from the summit. Okay. Um, yeah. There's a route going up there that uh, I've heard people call Blake's fast scree gully. Um, have you ever heard okay. of that? Do you know that route? I haven't. I haven't. And actually, um, so when we first started scouting Nolan's, we stumbled upon a North to South GPX file. Mm -hmm. And so all of our routes were technically, north to south routes that we tested out first and then ended up doing them south to north oh. and a lot of them ended up getting changed because we thought they weren't efficient but this one we decided to stick with so i think this might be like a more traditional north to south route um and it might be blake's i don't know um but yeah that's the route we ended up doing okay awesome and um do you know what time it was when you hit princeton summit um Man, I have it on my phone. I can look for you real quick. I mean, it was um, still daylight, obviously. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely daylight. Let's see. So Princeton, I summited. I don't know about time. It, well, so it was 8.23 into the run. Um, so two, almost 2.30. Okay, wow. You're moving fast. Okay, awesome. Yes. And then which way um, did you go off of Princeton? I dropped directly off the summit, um, right, straight down into the exact same way that Joey did. So um, trying to think, was that Max? That was Maxwell Gulch, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay, got it. Down to the Colorado Trail. And did you have aid stations set up at either Alpine or Avalanche or like crew or anybody? Oh. To meet yep. Um, yep. So I had aid station at Alpine and Avalanche. Okay. Yeah, so we ran ran the Colorado Trail to Avalanche, um, and I picked up um, Jenny Fox. Okay. Okay. And um, did you uh, – so you changed shoes at Alpine. Like, how much time are you spending at these aid stations? 
Hello, did I lose you? Sabrina, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Can you Are hear you me? There? Yeah, yes. yeah. I could hear you. I don't know what happened there. Oh, shoot. Okay. It'll probably just be an awkward spot where I'll just put in a advertisement or something. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so I was with you all the way to Avalanche. Um, how much time are you taking at these aid stations? I would say roughly 15 minutes. Um, okay. yeah, I was kind of taking my time. I mean, I was changing my shoes. I was eating a burger or a wrap, or I was definitely eating like some sort of meal, um, or as much as I could early on. Um, yeah, I was, I wasn't like blowing by them by any means. Okay. Is your stomach normally pretty good out there or what do you, yes. what are you using for nutrition? Um, so mirror gels, um, I mean, I had a, a ton of different stuff, candy bars, um, Subway sandwiches, burgers, whatever. Um, like I would just hand my pack to my crew. They would stuff it full of, of calories and then I would head out and I eat on the dot every 30 minutes, no matter what. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of, I, like, I could never go self-supported because I don't think I could carry that much food. <laughs> you must have an iron stomach. I work on it a lot. Um, I mean, every training run I go on, I eat and I, and I make sure and eat a lot. Um, if I were doing something okay. less than hundred miles, I might not, but I think something like this, it, it definitely is a huge benefit to be able to eat. Oh, definitely. So you were training to eat while you were out there. So on your training runs, you're packing just all kinds of different sorts of food and just cramming it down every 30 minutes. Yes. Yeah. And, oh, um, okay. Avery doesn't. So I bring his food too, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. On. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I try to eat as much as I possibly, at least every half hour. Wow. Have you ever had stomach problems? Do you ever throw up or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, her, I, I threw up, I think it was the humidity. Um, okay. and then, uh, grand raid, I, I, my crew missed me or I missed my crew at two aid stations. Um, and I didn't have salt tabs and I was, I like took two spoonfuls of table salt thinking that that would help. Um, <laughs> and then I chugged a bunch of Coke. And so I made a volcano in my stomach. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I was like throwing up pretty good at grand raid. Um, okay. But yeah, typically I'm not throwing up um, just to throw up or, you know, like just because my stomach's unhappy. There's a yeah. reason. God bless you. You're lucky there. That's awesome. Okay. So then um, which way did you go up Yale? Um, I took um, like kind of like an in-between route. It wasn't Hughes Gulch and it wasn't the trail. Um, I took the rib up. It's the same one that Andrea and Andrew did. Um, okay. Yeah. And so that's, I was kind of tracking her and I saw that route. And so I went out and sampled it one day and I really liked it. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I took that route. Okay. Did you like it more than Hughes Gulch? Did you find it easier or quit faster or what, what were your thoughts? Honestly, I've never done the traditional Hughes, Hughes Gulch route. Um, I've looked at it and it just visually looking at it, it doesn't seem aesthetically appealing to me. Um, and so I, I can't, I can't make a comparison there. Sure. But I'm guessing you've taken the ridge before. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's faster than the ridge. 
it cuts off a mile. It cuts off a mile okay. exactly. And nice. so I think if you don't mind a little, like there's roughly, a, I'd say maybe a half mile of like deadfall that you have to kind of fight your way through until you're kind of like know where you're going. Um, but once you're, once you get up on that rib, it's kind of a direct shot to the ridge. Um, and then you're super close to the summit. And so, yeah, I prefer that route. I think it's definitely one of the faster ones. Cool. Cool. I'm making that note. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then hit the summit of Yale. And then did you come down the airplane gully? I didn't. Um, oh. So I dropped down. Um, so I, I kind of like ran back um, to where Denny Creek takes a left and I took a right and dropped down into that basin. And then I ran, um, I don't know, like a quarter mile. And then I drop left over a saddle Mm -hmm. and take a scree field down and uh, take that all the way down to the basin and the tree line. Okay. And uh, did you go all the way down to the bridge when you're like, I don't know what it is, a mile away from Cottonwood? Uh, Yeah. So I had my crew hike in exactly 2.5 miles. Um, To that bridge. Yeah. It's the log that's like cut in half. Um, Yep. Yeah. And so my crew met me there. Um, and now, so we turned our headlamps on at Treeline, uh, coming down Yale. Okay. Got it. So we're at nighttime. Yeah. Um, so we got, I got to a crew. I picked up Megan Hicks and yeah. And we started up Columbia and that climb went pretty smooth. Um, nothing too exciting to report. Took the trail all the way to the top. Oh, you took um, the trail. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Some people take the yeah. ridge. Yeah, I kind of, I only did one other route off of there, and I just, I don't know. I felt like the, I was just as fast on the trail, if not, I was faster on the trail, actually. Yeah, um, the trail fast, for sure. Yeah, and so um, shit hit the fan when I reached the top of Columbia. <laughs> How so? What happened? Uh, I don't know. Like, I just um, started, like, like signs of nausea started setting in, which was kind of new. Um, and, uh, I didn't really foresee route finding to be an issue. And, um, it, it definitely was at that point. And, um, I was just really frustrated with myself that that was starting to become an issue. Um, and then I was really thirsty and I was, uh, looking forward to the Creek at the far side. Uh, so I, I dropped down to traverse. And so, um, when I dropped down and was kind of working my way around, I was really thirsty and was looking forward to that just like cold water and the Creek mm-hmm. was dried up. So that was Ooh. kind of a, a mental blow. Um, uh, that sucks. Was, so you yeah. had no water going up Harvard. Um, I was rationing it and cause I, I was rationing it. Um, so yeah. I definitely had some and then Megan right. had some, but, um, yeah. and then we kind of overshot the turning point, And so we went a little bit too far down um, so again, I was, I was just like really mentally being negative on myself. Um, like I wanted to do Nolan's once and I wanted to do it perfect, set the best time I possibly, possibly could and, and possibly never come back. And, um, at that point I realized that I was leaving room for people to beat my FKT. Mm-hmm. And, um, so anyway, we start heading up and nausea is getting worse. So I'm taking a few minutes here and there to sit down and just like, breathe deep and, and kind of let that pass. We end up summiting Harvard and start going down. Um, route finding is still, um, not going as, I mean, I thought I'd be able just to run it and I'd run it perfectly step for step. And when I had scouted it, um, both times there was uh, snow fields out there and I even did it in the dark too, but, 
Um, the snow fields, I think, helped me more than I realized because I was using them as landscape markers. And so when they weren't there, I was a little bit lost. Okay. Um, yeah, we eventually did make it down to the trail. Um, I then started up Oxford and we summited Oxford um, with the sunrise. Okay. And, um, and yeah. you get some, uh, like a new burst of energy once the sun came up? I thought I would, but it took a little bit. So um, sun came up on top, top of Oxford. We went over to Belford and Avery um, had met us there with um, a Subway sandwich and a bunch of Gatorade. And so I chugged as much as I could. I ate as much as I could. Megan dropped down and Avery wasn't supposed to, but he said he was going to pace me through Missouri. And so once I got with Avery, like we just have this dynamic and um, like, I think he just like knows how to talk to me and the sun was up and I had food in my belly. And so we start moving a little bit faster. Um, and we summit Missouri. Um, my split shows it was like an hour 34, I think, but part of that is, is sitting on top of Belford. So from the time we left Belford, from the time we summited Missouri, it was an hour 14. Nice. Um, yeah. Which I was pretty happy with. Um, Did you take and the then, Missouri? No, I mean, I was kind of thinking about taking the East Ridge and then, um, when it came down to it, we did not. We we dropped okay. down Elkhead Pass and and kind of wrapped around, um, exactly. and I think yep. that was just as efficient as efficient. For sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, and then coming off Missouri, we um, ran the ridge over, and then um, I don't know the name right. of it, but like like um, I don't know. Like we kind of took like the long way that wraps around and then drops down. And it's just like the trail down to Closey Lake. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, get down to the lake and I pick up um, my girlfriend, Amanda Grimes to, to pace. And oh, so um, that went up the closely lake. Yes. Um, not uh, like kind of like half crew. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, they, they brought like a, a few little things up. Um, did they drive up or did they hike it up there? They, um, so there's actually a film crew out there and uh. um, they had a side by side. And okay. so, um, they gave my pacer a ride up there and gave Avery a ride out. Um, awesome. yeah, so it wasn't like the true crew. So they didn't have like all my, my gear or anything. Um, but yeah, they, they had like a few little things that was nice. Um, right. yeah. So I picked up Amanda Grimes and we started hiking and I was still like, still coming back to life. I wasn't, I wasn't back yet. And I told her like, just talk my ear off. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to react but like, I just need you to keep my mind preoccupied. Um, and she nailed her job perfectly. (laughs) So that was a lot of fun. Um, and we summited or we made it to like the saddle of Huron. And that's when I like really started to feel, to feel really good. Um, I I think it was like, um, we're going to say roughly like 1130 or noon, um, now. And so there's a ton of hikers up there. Mm-hmm. And Amanda was just telling every single person what I was doing. And <laughs> um, so that was kind of fun to like watch their expressions. And um, Avery had given me a goal time um, to get down to Winfield and I wanted to beat it. And so I um, like ran really hard to get there. And I, I got there, I think one o'clock or like give or take five minutes. Wow. Um, and so yeah. So Winfield, the trail down here on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, cut as many switchbacks as I could. And, um, yeah, just, just got down there as quick as possible. 
And then Amanda, Amanda came running in a few minutes behind me and she, she came in, she chugged a Gatorade and she's like, okay, I'm going to go. And so while I was like changing my socks and um, getting dry shoes on and everything, she uh, was heading to La Plata and was going to wait for me at trailhead, um, uh, which was like awesome. She was a superstar. And so, um, yeah, started heading up La Plata together and uh did you get your feet wet you, you said you just changed your shoes did you get your feet wet in i think there's like a bunch of willows down before you start climbing la plata um i mean they're they're pretty swampy right now they're i was able to keep them fairly dry um i know i did change my shoes again at the base of la plata on so the other side shoes. so you're changing shoes and socks every single time yep okay okay got it yeah um so yeah, Summit La Plata, everything's going great. Um, I had used up all my food on La Plata. And so coming down La Plata, I was, I was lacking calories and was starting like, not like hallucinating, but like my contacts now had like a layer of like film over them and were super blurry. So like mm-hmm. every rock looked like a squirrel in the trail and every like stump was a bear. Um, I was kind of like losing it a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's evening time now. And so I get to Everett um, trailhead and um, eat as much as I can and, and then um, start back out again. And this time I picked up Avery for the last two peaks. He ended up running like 58 miles with me. Um, and so, yeah, he's crazy. Um, so we start so up Elbert. When you're, when you're before you head up Elbert, how are you mm-hmm. feeling? Where's your head at? I mean, to me, like, I've never going south to north. I've never made it to that point, and I just feel like there's so much mileage left in those last two peaks. Are you feeling the like the magnanimity of it all, or do you, at this point do you feel like we've got it in the bag as long as we keep going fast? Yeah, I think I severely underestimated the Elbert climb. I mean, I know I did, okay. yeah. um, and you can see that in my splits. Uh, well, I saw yeah. that picture as well. You looked. Uh, you look pretty yeah. shell shocked at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I wasn't feeling the best. I mean, when I came into ever, I told Avery, like, I think I'm on the verge of hallucinating. Um, I need to get calories in me right now. And, um, I cleaned my contacts and he's like, that's fine. Like, take your time. Like, it's all good. So we start moving and I wanted to get as much done in daylight as I could. Um, okay. and so I think we had like an hour of daylight, maybe. Um, and so, so running down the road and you're just making mm-hmm. as much uh, mileage as you can in, in a lot of time, you're just hauling. Yep, ass. exactly. Um, so I think it, it really got, got dire for me at tree line again. Um, I started getting nauseous again and that's when I really got tired. I mean, I'd never ran past 31 hours. And so, um, I just, I, I, I don't know. It was all new to me. And so we're, we're moving and I'm moving pretty slowly. And I get to the point where I'm like, I just now like I'm eating on every half hour, but every half hour I'm sitting down to eat and I'm taking my time and probably taking too much time. And then, you know, I'd move another 25 minutes and sit down and eat again. And it was just taking forever. Um, but he, you know, he's so encouraging. And he's like, keep going. You have this many more feet, this many more feet, like you can do it. And we, like my lungs and my chest, or like my, I don't know if it was my heart, but like my chest just felt so painful and like I couldn't breathe deep. And I'm like doing these short, like raspy breaths and just every, like every 10 to 15 feet, I'm like having to stop 
get my heart rate down and then continue on. And, um, I was really, really struggling. And so he starts counting down, like you only have 500 feet to the summit, like 500 feet, like keep going, you can do it. So we finally barely like one step at a time reach the summit. And I've been like waiting for this moment forever. And he pulls out his phone and he's like, I'm so sorry. This is a false summit. Like, and he like shines his headlamp and there's like this massive summit in the distance. That's like at least another hour climb, it seems. And he's like, that's, that's the summit. And I'm like, okay, like it is what it is. Like there's nothing you can do about it. So let's just keep moving. And so we keep moving and keep moving. And I'm asking for like, okay, let me sit down for two minutes. And like, I know I can't sleep at 14,000 feet or, you know, 13, five or wherever we're at. Cause we're not going to recover that well, but I just like need these two minutes to like re give my body a break, get my breathing under control, get my heart rate down. Um, so, you know, he starts counting down the feet again. He's like, okay, just 500 more feet to the summit. You can do it. So I'm literally, you know, one step at a time, just going, finally reach the summit, pulls out his phone to check that we're there and we fall summit again. Um, so he shines his light and then like, there's this like massive peak out there that we can see like barely a shadow of in his headlamp. And, uh, Oh man, it like it's like everything in your body not to just like go into like hysterical crying fits. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. but you don't even have the energy to do that. You just got to keep going. Yep. Um. So yeah, we we finally hit the real summit, and um, then we start working our way down. Um, which that descent was way way longer than I remember it was in my scouting trips. Okay. Um, and on the way down like multiple times and like I just I let me sit down and eat and then I got to the point where I'm like okay I'm just gonna like lay down in this field of boulders and take like give me five minutes and when I started Nolan's I told myself I wasn't gonna sleep at all I'm like sleeping is for the week like I'm not weak I'm not gonna sleep and um I finally reached a point going down Elbert where I said I think I'm gonna take 10 minutes at half moon Mm -hmm. and he said I think you should take 20 um, I think by the time you do two minutes, 10 minutes, you're going to lay down and you're going to get right back up. You need to take 20. And yeah. I am like, only if you promise me that I'll make it up on the, like, it'll be that much advantageous for me on the backside. And he like swore it would be. And so I trusted him. Um, we made it all the way down to half moon and I, um, had a bowl of soup, got in a sleeping bag and passed out and, um, woke up and, felt like I hadn't run at all. Like it was amazing. I wish I'd slept at ever almost like, uh, yeah, those 20 minutes saved my life. I truly think they took at least two hours off my time if I hadn't stopped. Wow. That's unreal. So we, what was that? It was worth it to sleep. It was worth your while. Without a doubt. Um, so I power hiked as fast as I could to the top of Missouri. Um, I'm sorry, massive. massive. And um, the nap kind of wore off at the top, but like now you just have that single descent. Um, so yeah, we ran the descent down to the Highline Trail, and where we hit the Highline Trail, instead of like making a left or a right turn, it was a right turn or down. And like we didn't even think about it, we just started running down, which was not correct. So we ran like maybe a hundred yards, maybe. And then like, I was like, this does not look familiar. Something's wrong here. And like, you get that like panicky feeling that you're lost. Um, 
we figured it out um, soon enough and turned around and, and then ran to the finish. And, and yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Wow. And so what was going through your head when you finally reached the summit of Massive? It's the last peak. Uh, it's, it's full culmination of all the training and, and everything has finally come together. You're staring down an FKT. It's almost, it's guaranteed at this point, right? It, like, did you know you had it in the bag? Kind of. Yes. And like, I mean, going up massive on a, on fresh legs, I feel like I could have gone sub 50. And so going up massive, I was like, just keep moving, just keep moving. Like maybe you can like pull something out of your hat and like really make this happen. Um, clearly I didn't. And so, um, I wasn't like super like crazy ecstatic. I mean, I was definitely happy. And like I say, if you had told me I'd finish in 51, 15 a week before, or even the day of, I would have been stoked out of my mind. But looking back at my attempt um, and seeing all the mistakes I made and um, man, I think I can go sub 50. I mean, I know I can go sub 50 and I think, I think on a good day I can even go 47. And so um, I, I am happy for my very first try. Um, it's not going to be one and done though. Like I thought it would be, I think I'm going to go back a few times and I think that route can be perfected and perfected and perfected. Um, I mean, it's so long and there's so much, there's so many different variables that, um, I mean, it's kind of like a puzzle, you know, you want to get every piece exactly right. And I think if you have like kind of like that type A personality, like, like I, I feel like there's unfinished business a little bit out there. Like I don't want people to think I'm like taking my time for granted or anything, but I do think I'm capable of more. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, I was just talking to a buddy the other day about this, about the Nolan's course and about how there's all these little micro decisions out there. Like when you're in the middle of the night and you're heading up and you're just like, do I go five feet to the left or five feet to the right? Like there's a bunch of crappy looking rocks over there and there's a bunch of shitty looking rocks over there. And there's just all these micro decisions along the course. Did those frustrate you at all? Or were you just, you know, doing your best to stay present and just kind of taking it all in stride? Um, I would say I, the only time I was truly frustrated with that was coming off of Harvard because, um, man, I, I had done that route twice. I felt really good about it. And then on rate or on FKT day, it just wasn't my route. It wasn't the route I had practiced. It wasn't the route I knew. I missed I missed the entrance into the goalie I wanted to take. Um, so we even like climbed back up like a few feet to like cross over a ridge or a rib um, to get to the right goalie. I'm still not even certain if I was in it at the right. I don't, I, I really messed up my descent off Harvard. And so I'm kind of just like, ugh, like if I could do that again. Um, so that was, that was like the biggest source of frustration. But um, I mean, I think, yeah, like there are like, you know, five feet to the left or five feet to the right could make, you know, even could make minutes almost, you know, and do that times that by 14 if you want. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's time on course and like really, really knowing your route. And I thought I knew my route and I, I, I missed it. And so, yeah, the descent off Harvard was a big frustration for me. Well, if that was your only mistake, I, I think you did pretty good. Um, were you using a, a GPS out there and following anyone else's tracks, or were you pretty much just going off of memory? Most of it was memory. Um, yeah, so I would say from Columbia to Pine Creek, from the top of Columbia to the to Pine Creek, um, Megan did pull out her phone, 
uh, quite a few times because because that route finding section, um, like I said, I struggled with more than I anticipated. Um, and then um, the Elber, um, like from Bull Hill to the top of Elber, um, was was definitely um, Avery pulled out his phone a few times to make sure that we were on the right course. Um, okay. And then, um, to be honest, the descent off of Elbert, I followed Avery. And so like, if it had been just me out there, um, I probably would have gotten down. I would have gotten down fine, but it would not have been the route I scouted. Um, so Mm -hmm. I was kind of trusting him a little bit. I was so out of it that I, um, I wasn't in the right mindset to, to make that decision. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you had a few different pacers out there. What do you look for in a pacer and what were some of the keys that they used to help you keep moving faster? Like when I'm picturing your FKT out there, I'm picturing, you know, you guys coming into an aid station, Avery takes over, you got this new energy with you. You're all, you get fired up again and your new pacer keep, you know, keeps you moving over the next couple peaks and the next pacer jumps in, you get some more new energy and it just fires you up again. I mean, is that what it's like for you? And do you have any tips or tricks? Yeah, I would say more important than fitness in your pacer is like how well you guys jive together and and how well you work together. Um, I mean, Amanda was amazing, amazing pacer. And I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she was DFL at Hard Rock. And I would say she was probably like take Avery out. She was my best pacer. Like I had so much fun with her. We we were partying out there. Like she kept my spirits high. She, she was so fun to be around. Like she just kicks ass. And so, um, I am so thankful that I had her out there with me. And, um, so yeah, it's just like whoever works well with you. And for me, um, I do really well with a lot of encouragement. And so like, I think that's why Avery and I work so well together too, is like, he's constantly like, you're killing it. You're crushing it. Like, and so like, I want to impress him more. Like I want, I want to be my best. Like, um, and so I think it's just who, who inspires you and who drives you and, and whose energy do you really, um, gel with. And, um, so yeah, I would say that that's like the biggest factor. And, um, it's, it's not a, like, I mean, it's Nolan's. And so you're not really moving fast at any given time. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, I would say personality, um, personalities like working together is the biggest thing sure had you ever run with megan hicks before this we did um a night scouting trip on the the section she was going to pace um and it went i thought it went like really really well and so so to get to fkt day and um to have like some route finding issues um like i said i was just really disappointed in myself yeah yeah well, you still pulled yeah. it together. You still made it right. work. So don't be so yeah. hard on yourself. I it, mean, it you sounds live like, and you learn. Like, <laughs> it sounds like you're still being hard on yourself about, I mean, I, I've always said that you could scout that route for 10 years and still be tweaking little sections of it here and there. Oh, you're never so really going to be 100% dialed. Um, so yeah, lighten up. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Well, next <laughs> time I do it, next time I do it, um, the top of Columbia to Pine Creek will be my best section. Like I will You'll know have that. You'll have for sure. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely a learning lesson for me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've never walked away from 100 and didn't learn anything. Um, and I feel like an FKT is a whole different thing. And I feel like I just did my first 100 all over again. And I learned 
that same amount of volume of information. And so it, nice. yeah, I'm glad it's good that you can still learn that much, you know, like if I didn't learn, there'd be a problem. For sure. Yeah. Um, gosh, I was just going to ask you something else and then I forgot what it was. Um, let's see, Megan Hicks. I don't know. It'll come back to me a second. Um, so yeah, congratulations. I mean, you completely crushed it. I don't think you should be so hard on yourself. <laughs> I think you should relish in the moment. You should be proud. How did you celebrate afterwards or did you just pass out? Yeah. I mean, I kind of passed out. Um, I, we had an Airbnb and, um, my crew took showers and I, I fell asleep on the couch waiting for them to take showers and they actually left to go catch flights, um, or flight and go back to Denver um, while I was sleeping. So I didn't even get to say goodbye or anything. Um, and then I woke up and took a, took a bath and Avery had ordered a bunch of pizza hut, which I'm typically gluten free. And so he got like every gluten item, like every, every version of cheese and bread that you can imagine. Um, <laughs> So and celebrate by just gluing your guts shut. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, we haven't like, I mean, not that we get too wild, but I'm sure um, sometime in the, in the next week or two, we'll go out and have a drink and celebrate. Um, yeah. But yeah, we haven't, we haven't truly gone, gotten, I don't know, too wild. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm always just curious, like, you know, what's it like at the finish line? <clears throat> Are people passing out? Um Somebody said they sat at uh, fish hatchery for, you know, a good six hours and just hung out with their friends and just had a blast. So I'm just always. Yeah. Curious, um, no, that, I mean, that was one of my favorite parts of it too, is like when you come into aid stations, like you kind of have this pressure on you to get out, like get in, get out, do your business. Um, so we did, we hung out probably like an hour at fish hatch just with pacers and crew, which was so fun to be, to have that weight off your shoulders and, and chit chat and, and laugh about things that had happened and, um, and talk it out. And then, um, I mean, even before, before the FKT attempt for like the last month, um, Avery's been traveling and I've, I've been on course training. And so we haven't spent a ton of time or not near as much time as we normally do together. And all I've been wanting to do is just like eat ice cream and binge watch Netflix and, um, (laughs) not have to worry about getting out and like studying the course. And so that, that day hasn't actually come yet. And, um, hopefully tomorrow or, or, you know, in the near future, that'll happen. He's still training right now. So, um, he's a little bit more regimented at the minute than I am. Um, but yeah, just like a day of not feeling guilty of just like sitting on the couch is, has been my dream for like a month. (laughs) All the Netflix and ice cream you can handle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I, I plan on indulging in a second. Yes. What is Avery trained for? Uh, he just decided he's going to go to uh, Kodiak. Okay. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a course I haven't been to yet. So it'll be fun to go out there, crew him and, and kind of get on some new trails. Cool. Awesome. Um, so yeah, again, congratulations. Just fantastic. Just a couple more questions outside of Nolan's. Do you have any like life hacks, tips, tricks, anything you do on like a daily basis or a weekly basis? Do you do like cold showers, meditation, anything crazy to, to keep your mental game as well as your fitness sharp? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I do, like I said, I do yoga. I think yoga is, I do at least a half hour, sometimes an hour every morning. Um, it's called yoga with Adrian. It's just on YouTube. It's free. Um, and it's just like light stretching. It's not, it's nothing like intimidating or crazy. And, and, um, it's not like very serious yoga, you know, it's, it's kind of enjoyable. So, um, I do that every day. And then also I am a huge believer in saunas and, um, 
or hot baths or, or however you can get that heat going. I think, mm. I think that makes a, a world of difference. And so, um, yeah, sauna time or hot baths or whatever, whatever you have access to. Do you guys have a sauna or do you go to a gym and use a sauna? Um, we don't, um, there's a sauna in Durango that we really like, and we don't get down there as often as we'd like. When we lived in steamboat, we had access to one, like less than a mile from our place. Um, but I've, I've definitely been shopping for a sauna and have, um, kind of been like, I don't know, waiting for, I, I, I just need to make the financial, um, like commitment. It's just me, me holding my pennies, but, um, yeah, it, it's definitely been, um, I've shopped around quite a bit and you just need to pull the trigger. What benefit do you find from using a sauna? I mean, I've had one in the past. I loved it. I wasn't sure how it really translated to like training at the time. I wasn't really running so much. I was doing a lot of martial arts, but like, you know, and in the winter time, it was a blast. My neighbors, I think I was crazy. I'd sit in the sauna and then go out and roll around in the snow. And <laughs> I, felt, you know, I felt like there was a lot of health benefits but is that mainly what you're using it for or does it help you in training? I believe, I mean, it might, it might be placebo, but I think it does help in training. And I mean, whether it's placebo or not, if I believe it works, it works. I buy into that philosophy. Um, I mean, I did it. Um, I did it a lot leading up to Western and, and I was really successful at Western. Um, and that was only my second hundred mile finish. And so I think, I think that like kind of stuck with me. Um, I used it every time I've gone out to her, um, I did it, um, going out to grand raid. Um, yeah. And so I've just had, those are, those are hot races. So right. that makes sense to me. Like you're heat training almost, but like yeah, Nolan's, exactly. you're not going to be that hot out there. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't use it that much for Nolan's. I mean, I did a few hot baths here and there like, uh, two, three times a week maybe, but, um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, it's Durango. So we have a solid hour drive to get to it. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've used it since, um, training for Western off and on, and, um, I've had a lot of success since Western. And so I like, I don't know. Yeah, it might not work, but I, I choose to believe it does. There you go. I mean, if, yeah, stick with it, if it's working for you, I mean, whatever it is, even if it is placebo, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. You're just a huge inspiration and I really enjoyed just hearing all the nitty gritty details of Nolan's. I just love geeking out on Nolan's. Um, do you have any plugs, shout outs, uh, any uh, like a website or anything that people can find you on or social media? Yeah. Um, so social media is um, Sabrina Leanne Stanley. Um, and that's, that's where you'll find most of the information. And then there's um, there'll be links um, in my bio to, to different interviews and I'll, I'll throw this one in there as well. And then, I do have a website. It's um, sabrinastanley.com. Um, there's a few older race reports in there, and I um, am editing my Nolans right now. And so that should be out um, hopefully tomorrow. And then, awesome. um, yeah, my crew, my crew was um, Dennis Eastham. He comes to like every hundred he can. Um, he's been with me for a few years, crewing me, and just like he, he is the perfect crew chief. Um, my brother is also, I call him my crew chief as well. He comes to all my races. His name is Reese Stanley. And then um, I mentioned all my pacers who were incredible. And then my girlfriend, Kate, was out there crewing me as well. Um, and then, sorry, I'm, I'm going long-winded here, but um, just my sponsors, um, like Adidas, um, OS First, Mirror Energy, and Lake A-Poles, um, they, they were all phenomenal in, 
and getting me um, to Nolan's and, and assisting me with gear and product. And so I can't say thank you enough to all of them. Um, and then our little coffee shop here in Silverton is coffee bear and, and they, they hook me up with coffee and they are so sweet. Um, and so uh, they're one of my sponsors as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's um, I, like, it's, it takes a village. And so I am so thankful for everyone who who's on my team and who helps me get to where I go. hundred percent. Yeah. You can't do it on your own. So yeah, you got to give those shout outs. It's true. Thank Very you for cool. giving me that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, listen, I really appreciate you talking to me once again. Um, thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, like I said, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Netflix, eat a lot of ice cream and uh, just uh, relish in uh, the big accomplishment and uh, can't wait to see what's in the future for you. Thank you so much, Adam. Are you going to be going for Nolan soon? Is that it sounds oh, yeah. like you've done it? Uh, yeah, you know, I've made a few attempts, some serious, some not, kind of an embarrassing number of attempts. And uh, I was just talking about it with a couple of buddies last night. I think that next year is probably going to be the year. Um, if I had known how this year was going to shake out with COVID, I probably would have yeah. put more time training into it. But um, yeah, it's going to happen eventually for sure. We'll see yeah. what happens. Sounds yeah. good. Well, I'll, I'll be excited to hear about it. Very cool. Thank you so much. Cool. All right. Well, have a good night. I appreciate you. All right, bye. I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Sabrina is a monster in the mountains. Uh, It's really, really impressive what she did out there. So uh, I love hearing all those stories. Just inspires me and, um, you know, Like Goggin says, inspiration only gets you so far, but I still like hearing those stories, man. Cool stuff. Really, really cool stuff. Um, If you guys dug this podcast, please share it on social media. Uh, Give us a like, a thumbs up, a review. Anything you guys can do would be uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, showing your support means the world to me. I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing whatever you got. So anything you guys can do, um, please reach out. Anything I can do for you, please reach out. Uh, That's what we're here for. This isn't about me. This is about us. This is about you guys. This is about building a little community. So uh like i said this is a bonus episode for the week hope you guys dug it and uh got another good one lined up for you guys next week so stay tuned life is short do big things